0: Welcome to the REI Foundation podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now, your hosts, Jason and Peely. So this is the REI Foundation with Peely and and Jason. Uh, welcome, Reed. We have Hi, guys. Jason's with us.
1: Good morning, Reed. How are you? I am doing really, really well. Friday morning, about to start the long weekend. So, pretty pumped to be having a few days off and maybe not think about real estate and business for a little while.
0: (laughs) Great. Do you have moments where you're not thinking about real estate?
1: It's very rarely. Very rarely. <laughs> I was I was at a speaking engagement last night till like 10 30, 11 o'clock. Um up again this morning at 6 30 a.m. doing podcasts with you guys. Just had you guys on the show. awesome. Yeah. So I, I love it. I live and breathe it, but it also is nice to sometimes turn the brain off. I
2: completely
0: <laughs> if you understand. I completely understand.
2: So so Reed, you're you're in California, but you you come from Australia and, and you came over to uh United States a couple of years back and um I don't know if your your first step was in real estate, but why don't you give us a you know we'd love to learn a little bit more about you and what brought you to the United States and what got you into real estate?
1: Yeah. I love telling this question. Who doesn't love talking about themselves for a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> no, the, 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 the real reason I moved to the United States, um, rewind, let's go back to 2008, 2009. I was living, uh, so my background's in structural engineering. I have, a, um, I'm looking at a picture on my wall, actually, of my first multifamily that I was a construction engineer on uh, back in New York. But um, I moved to London in 2008. Uh, to work on the summer 2012 Olympic Games as a structural engineer, just graduated university. Um, I was over there, had great time. I then quit my job or the job finished up and I went to move to the south of France and I started working on these super yachts in, as a deckhand for the wealthy, the, the stupidly wealthy. During that time, I was backpacking around the south of France. I gall- you know, was gallivanting, having a great time. I actually met my future wife on the beach in Spain, who uh, happened to be from Southern California. Uh, at the time, so this is 2009 I went back to working on the yachts. I had a great, you know, next next 12 months. Uh, I came to the United States because the, the yachts, if you don't know anything about superyachts yachts, they spend their, their time in the Mediterranean when it's summer. And then when it's winter up there, they come down the Caribbean. So I cruised across the Atlantic ocean, most incredible experience of my entire life. But in saying that it was also, I was living in a fish bubble and I fishbowl and I had been, you know, I'd, I'd gone to university and I had a degree and I was like, look, I don't want to be a deckhand for the rest of my life. This was great for 12 months backpack through New York, last port of call was, was LA and I caught up Erica and I was like, Hey, um, I'm coming through LA. Do you want to like hang out? And she's like, yeah, actually, by the way, I've just applied for university in Australia. And I was like, what the hell? What's the coincidence? This is, this is 2009. Um, why? So so the reason I I moved to the United States was that many, I didn't move to the United States until after she'd finished her post-grad in Australia. So 2009, she moved in 2010 to Australia Around that time, I had you know, obviously been away for two years. I was sitting in my cubicle as a structural engineer. I was like, I cannot be doing this for the rest of my life. I picked up Rich Dad Poor Dad. That's where the bugs started. And um, you know, over the next eighteen months, I essentially was you know going to rear events in Australia, and I was going to pull the trigger on a flip in Aussie. And then it was like, but I still had this yearning desire to live in New York City because I love New York City. And that's when in 2011, we just packed up our bags. I quit my job. Uh, I didn't have a job in, in New, York, New York, but she was from America. So I was just like, let's just try and make this work. There was an awesome uh, visa situation with Aussies and, and Americans. So I just landed on the ground in New York, had no plan. And I was just like, there's no plan B. It was just like, I have to get a job. And I came out of the streets. I just walked around and anyway, that's sort of 2011. And then within sort of the first six to 12 months, I purchased my first real estate property because the United States has such a lower bar- barrier to entry compared to Aussies. So in a nutshell, that's me. And then fast forward on now own RS and property grip, as you can see behind me, been involved in about $50 million, $60 million worth of real estate since then, um, and loving life. So that's a little bit about me in wow. the nutshell.
2: <laughs> <Life> <laughs> a nutshell. Yeah, wow. I, I guess if, Anything that the listeners can take out there is uh, so if you have not done your first property, what's stopping you? Exactly. So you just went through a, you know, around the world tour uh, to get right. your first property, and but it just came down to it. You said, I'm gonna do this, and you did it right. right. backing oh, yourself, right? Yeah, it's got wow. yourself. that's a cr- incredible. So, today, now you, you sit here, you, you've done 50 to 60 million in uh, in deal flow, what is your main focus where you sit today?
1: Main focus is really on, you know, everyone talks about financial freedom. Yes, I've been involved in 50, $60 million worth of real estate. I'm a co-GP in that sort of portfolio. I'm still working towards, um, you know, the goals of my financial freedom. I'm, you know, I've got RSM property group. I've got a couple of potential new employees. I'm really excited about the journey, uh, which I'm on. I I also consult, I have a couple of other side businesses, you know, it's very much the millennial mindset of where we live in this new economy. So like, yes, real estate's my number one focus, but to get you to financial freedom, you try everything, right? Like you guys are actively have another active business outside of what you do. And it's just about, rolling with the punches and making it work, right? You, you just yeah, do what you I'm can.
2: Fine.
1: Yeah, exactly. So right now I'm focused on just really setting up my systems with RSM Property Group, um, making sure I have the right team um, to support me in terms of my decisions because I, 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 I've I always thought of myself as that, you know, that, that leader and, and I don't want to direct the company, but I don't necessarily need to get into the weeds of, um, you know, underwriting. I do like doing that because I'm an engineer by background, but I also don't need to spend hours and hours and hours poring over a spreadsheet. I can hire someone to do that. So really enjoying having, growing a little team and that's, that's pretty cool. And having employees and, and stuff
0: so like Let's talk about exactly what you do. What is RSN?
1: Yeah, RSM Property Group is a, is a syndication firm. Uh, we focus on buying uh, acqu- acquiring multifamily real estate. Uh, and and the the re- the why that I started RSM was because when I first moved to the US back in 2011, the Aussie dollar was actually in parity with the US dollar, and so a lot of international investors, particularly from Australia, were coming over here buying turnkey properties. And turnkey, uh, you know, I don't like it that much because it's are stripped out. There's a lot of guys who got the wool pulled over their eyes, you know, essentially buying these things. They, you know, the, 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 the providers were buying it at you know 40 cents on the dollar. They were, you know, putting in them all the money. And these people were like, wow, I can buy it for 120 grand and I can get a thousand bucks a month. That sounds beauty, but actually, in reality, maybe it was probably overpriced. Now they're you know trying to manage this thing from halfway across the world. There's just a lot of people that, that didn't get a lot of good press in, in Australia. So I said, well syndication, like other people's money, duh. Um, and why not, you know, offer people a, a, a platform to get involved on the ground level. They don't have to get any financing because I'm based here and we can all, you know, benefit in, 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 in you know, making, adding value to a property. So that was the why behind starting RSN back in the day. And, um, and that's kind of what I focused on.
0: That's, uh, let's take it real simple. Can you explain what syndication is for our listeners.
1: Sure. Yeah. So syndication is pooling investors money together. So you can go out and buy maybe a larger asset that you couldn't maybe purchase on your own. Right. So why would you do that? Well, the why is because you could get into a larger, maybe less risky investment, more cash flowing investment, more stable investment with more investors. So we are not you know, like any company, you know, Google, Facebook, the founders don't just sit on a wad of cash and just grow their business with their own money. They have to go out to investors. So the, the the reason I got to a point in my life when I was here in in, in America, I bought a, a small portfolio, I'd flipped a few houses. I sort of just ran out of my own money and I needed to start syndicating I need to grow my business Well, the way you grow your business is bringing on investors. and so that was that's what syndication is and that's why I do it. That's amazing. Thank you. So you, you talk about your journey from Australia to the
2: United States and, and working on syndication. Why not do this in Australia?
1: Good question. Um, because multifamily doesn't exist in Australia. Um, so when you build a project in Australia, uh, the bank will require you to pre-sale. Uh, it's like condominiums. They'll, they'll get you to pre-sale X amount, You know, maybe 50% of the units before the, the construction financing will come in. So if you have a history of that, you don't. I couldn't just go out and buy two hundred units in one complex in Australia. That just wouldn't happen. It's all condos. It's all. Um, think of the Australian market like Los Angeles or a a New York type product, you know, so very high barriers to entry, you know, in, even in a crappy suburb in like, uh, you know, up in the Bronx, you're still paying four five, $600,000 for a single family property. That's the same in Australia. Uh, our population is a lot smaller. So, and we're also confined by the fact that Australia is very, uh, it's an arid country. So we only inhibit, uh, inhabit like, um, I think like eighteen percent of our land. So uh, you know and, and, and you compare it to America where you have your, you know on one end you have the LAs, New York, San Francisco's, and then you have Detroit on the other end of Detroits, and then you have four hundred people, four hundred million people who need someone to live. so that it, it spores this sort of more affordable uh, multifamily type of, of of real estate investing that is more beneficial for cash flow, more beneficial for yield, and that's something that it just isn't isn't in existence in Australia.
0: So to me, and cause you mentioned that apartment investing is a lot less risky, um, to, well, not to me, but a lot of the listeners that are listening to this, are like, well, why is that? You know, not I'm sure. being a single family home where I have a buy and hold or a couple of buy and holds. I, maybe I've even have, have a portfolio, right. um, and you, you're telling me that investing in like a multimillion dollar dollars apartment building is actually less risky. Why is that?
1: Let's yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's so let's talk about the the way that I always look at it how banks look at it, right? That's what you got to you got to step into their shoes and say, well, why would you in 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 residential and let's four units and under, the bank will say, okay, look, I'm going to underwrite you as the borrower because you are on the hook for the loan. The risk of someone moving out of your single family property and then your property is now hundred percent vacant. You have no rental income um, and to pay down the mortgage. That's a high risk when you have less number of units, right? You do now just distribute that over 50 units The bank is going to look at it more like a business and say, you know, God forbid I I fall over tomorrow and pass away, I don't want to do that touch wood, but my my building is still there producing income to pay the debt, right? So debt is always going to be more readily available, hence reducing the risk because not, not 50 people are not just going to get up and leave like that and you have no way of paying your, your debt off or your expenses or, or stuff like that. So does that answer the question in terms yes. of risk? Why? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, that's great. And you, you can put in there, you know,
2: you, you don't have 200 roofs either. You know, you right. you have right. one maintenance staff that can maybe handle one building, you know, like all those different points that allows you to benefit from economies of scale.
1: And that, yeah, that's huge. And, and I think I also want to hit on the fact that, you know, I flipped a few houses. Uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> uh, you guys have flipped houses. I know that, but it's sort of more, you look at the curve and it's like, Deploy capital, there's no capital. Deploy capital, there's no capital. There's not like a steady stream of, of, of cash flow. And I'm relying on the fact that I'm I am dictated by the market. Like Hopefully, my drapes that I put in on my flooring is going to be priced compared to what you know someone else is down the road, rather than having a business in commercial real estate where it's valued by the income, the NOI. And if I can directly control that NOI, I directly control the asset rather than relying upon other market indicators out there that someone's selling their property at, you know, 150 bucks a square foot, you know, like, oh, and all of a sudden the market may take a turn. Flipping isn't necessarily, um, uh, it's not, it's not the most stable of, um, of, of games, but we we could obviously get into the whole, you know, you buy right, sell right sort of stuff. But in general, that is what I like to value cash flow. I like to value NOI so I can tr- control the asset. Nice. Yeah, you could talk a little bit further about that. You're, you're basically saying, you know, when you flip
2: a house, you know, it's all based on uh, what the buyer's perception of the house is. Do they wow. love, you know, do they love the kitchen? Do they love the tile? Wow. Do they love the neighborhood? Whereas the asset, when you're buying over four units, it comes down to the income it's producing. So you can simply improve the income. You've now made a property that's, that's worth more.
1: Right. Uh, Case in point, um, you know, uh, I had a duplex in upstate New York when I first my first property I purchased. um, Went in there, bought it for I think fifty thousand bucks, and I um, excuse me, I I, I put in like fifteen grand, and I think I increased the the rent by like seventy five bucks. That's fantastic. Now that increased my cash flow per month, but it actually increased the value of the property, right? It's still worth. $50,000 Fifty thousand, and maybe I overspent, and it's really not actually worth sixty-five thousand. It's really only still worth fifty-five thousand dollars. If I did the same thing on fifty-unit properties, and I increased so fifty-unit property, and I, I increased the rent by sixty-five bucks a month, that directly forces the value of the property right, regardless of what the property next door is doing. Right, so that's Correct. unlike flipping. Someone might have flipped a house across the road for three hundred thousand dollars, and you've put in. You know, you want to sell yours for three fifty, but the market doesn't support three fifty. But you've already spent three hundred, but you need that fifty k to make a profit. Yep. Well, unfortunately, you're going to say, "Well, you've overspent, and you are not going to get your fifty thousand dollars." And I've been in that situation in. Forever, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. so so you're in California.
2: And now you're looking at markets. Um, Are are you looking in California? Where's your focus, you know, and why is your focus where it is?
1: Yeah. So California is a, uh, like, as you know, like you guys live in New Jersey and in New York, you know, it's a low cap rate, um, market. It's, it's, it's what I like to call a tier one market where there's a lot of demand. There's not a lot of supply. So cap rates are low. The risk of investing in that's in that, that, those sort of sub, those markets are lower. So you have cap rates in the order of two to 3%. My rule of thumb is I like to invest in sub markets where there's about 150 to 200 basis points between, um, interest rates in the market and what the market cap rate is. So if it's you know interest rates now around four and a half percent. So I like to look at markets around a minimum of six percent cap rates. Um so then I can create cash flow. So where does that? Where does six percent exist? Well, it doesn't exist in New York and it doesn't exist in LA. It kind of exists in the Midwest. So I then start looking at Kansas cities, Phoenix, Arizona, looking at Texas's, you know, North Carolina's, You guys are, are in Louisville, Kentucky. These sort of tier two markets where there's good population growth, there's good economy, uh, drivers uh, maybe it's just lower affordable, uh, sorry, high affordable index stuff where people still want to live in those markets, but they're not they're not maybe your top of your list if you're backpacking throughout the United States, <laughs> right? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> that, I hope that explains where I'm investing.
2: No, it, it definitely does. And if you look at it, I mean, people may see this and say, oh, Reed, you know, he, he's a little more risky. He lived in Australia, then all of a sudden he's in New York, and he's in California. So he's fine to invest out of there. But w- what is it that that sets your your mind frame where you say, well, listen, I may live here, but it doesn't work here so i'm going to go where it works and even though i don't live in that certain market i'm able to find deals that work where h- how do you set your mind right that you're able to go into these markets and, and, and what would be some suggestions you have for people who are maybe just trying to get started to say that it's okay that if you're not not investing in your market it's just okay to do that if it just if it doesn't work
1: you don't have to force it to work it, it, you, Right. I, I think my, my, my crude answer is ignorance is an excuse, <laughs> So you know, if you, if you, if you're, if you're blinded by, by what uncle Bob says, uh, and, and you're limited by your beliefs, then, you know, that's your own fault. So, yeah. you know, you can only change that. Um, my biggest driving factor in life was that I am 31 years old. Uh, I moved to the United States when I was 26 um I have lived in Australia for maybe a year and a half in my whole 20s um, so I'm very much I was born and bred to travel the world uh, I was also born and bred to uh, and, and I was I was raised to if I was 60 years old and the the, big, the biggest thing I'm a fearful of is that if I'm 60 I wake up in my you know retirement home and I have regret I regret that i' oh, what if I had moved to the you know, United States? What if I had chased that girl on the beach in, in, Sansa, in, in Spain? I'm now marrying that girl. You know, Take the, those calculated risks and give it a go because right now we live in an economy where the old adage of, you know, what we, what our, our parents, you know, have a career for 30, 40 years of their life, that's out the window. You know, you guys was explained before, you have to take action to take control of your life. Change as Tony Robbins says, change your story, change your life. I changed my story. I moved to the United States. I changed my life completely. I sitting at 21 years of, all, of age at my graduation from structural engineering, I would never have thought I'd be involved in as in a real estate syndicator in, in, in you know, 10 years later, but I had the mindset of that. I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to make a change and I'm willing to do what it takes to make that change, to get to, to achieve my goals. So I that makes sense.
0: <laughs> I love that mindset and congratulations on your upcoming wedding.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much. Yay. Thank
0: you.
2: <laughs> That's incredible. No, I love it. I absolutely love it because it, it's, it, it just sets up the parameters is that a lot of people go through life that, well, this is what I do. So this is what I have to do. Well, no, it's not but you have to start with your mind first and set your mind up. And then from that, you can do other things. It doesn't have to be real estate either. It, it exactly. would use stuff that, that is outside of what, you know, because you're always going to start with not knowing it until you okay. actually go into it.
1: And I think that we live in such an exciting time, you know, 2017, things are so much more accessible. Like it goes back to that ignorance thing. Like I was learning about, um, you know, selling stuff on Amazon the other day. I was like, wow, you can create a cash flow business. they doing that. Like, but it's the willingness to want to learn. If you don't want to learn, you just want to sit on the fence and just keep doing what you're doing. Good luck to you. But don't whinge when you say, oh, my life is crap or whatever. I haven't achieved what I want to achieve. That's on you. That's on no one else. It's not on the government. It's not on your sister. It's not on your mum and dad. It's on you. So, nice. you know, take, take control. It's
0: on you. Hear <laughs> that, everyone? It's on you. It's on you to take action. It's on you to change your life. Yeah. It's going to happen. And
2: it's, that, that's one of the toughest things to do because a lot of, we all, we all get in ourselves. We all, we all can deflect outward and say, Oh, it's because of this or it's Mm -hmm. because of that. But when you, when you really just focus that I'm responsible for my actions, I'm responsible for myself. And if I can look at myself first and just make myself just a little bit better each day, it's going to transcend wherever I want to go. hundred percent. Yeah. So
0: we are big on foundations here and you've given us so much when it comes to syndication and big apartment investing for a person's foundation. So if I'm like a new investor, just getting into it, maybe I have a few flips under my, my belt, like how you started, yep. what, do you, what would you say would be like the first steps into getting into syndication, into getting into big apartment investing?
1: Yeah, well, I could even take us one step back even further if you've got Great. some listeners who are just like, "Oh my gosh, what's real estate? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what you. the hell is this? This thing? like, let's not even talk about a syndication right now. Let's look at making uh, a step in a direction. Um, one of the biggest things when I first read Rich Dad Poor Dad was that I knew I needed to make a change, but I didn't know how I needed to make a change, and it comes down to if you have that desire within you to make change because you're not happy with the current situation you're in, you're in, you're, you're already going towards somewhere correct. It's just about um, making sure that you, you, sorry, i heard had my phone call coming in, making sure that you have the right, um, you've already made the, the, the conscious decision. Okay, something's going up right. I want to make a change. How do I put that into action? Well, I can challenge people to do a very simple thing and that is get on meetup.com, go to a, a local rear event. And I challenge those people that if they go to one real estate networking event per month, for the next six months, they would have changed It would have met enough people to get them to that step two. And then step two will come from step three, and step three comes from step four. So it's not even about making a transition from flipping to syndication. It's just about the fact that when I you know, when I first moved to the United States, when I first picked up said Porter, Dad, I had a, I had a, a desire to understand that I need to make change. Okay, so how do I make change? Let's just take the first baby step, which is let's just go to a networking event. You know, and it doesn't have to be real estate. It could be business, entrepreneurship, whatever it might be, surround yourself with like-minded people and, you know, you will reap the rewards. They, they, you know, what's the, the saying? You are the the average of the five people you surround yourself with. Well, yes. firstly, let's look at the five people you surround yourself with. If they're negative people that are going nowhere in life, get but you want to make a change, get out of that group's, uh, group of friends and go make some new friends. It's, yes. it's easy. And it comes down to you making that conscious decision to make change. So
0: that first step. That's a great. That's great advice. Yeah,
1: I love yeah.
2: it. I love it. We've had, and we've heard it a few times. Is you can't worry about steps eight, nine, and ten, and yeah. you have to start with step one because right. you're never going to get it. You know, you can worry all day long about well, how are we going to get the fifty or sixty million dollars of assets? Well, uh, with step one,
1: <laughs> so that's, that's so Let's just go handle. to a networking event. Yeah, Let's, exactly. just, let's just <laughs> see this is for me, right? You know, you might be saying, "Oh, well, is real estate for me? Do you know, I like the numbers?" Let's just go listen to, you know, Jason in Peely's podcast, but that could even be a step, you know, drive to work every day and listen to a podcast because that's going to change your, your, your car is a, is a, is a university on wheels and it can be, um, and, 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 you know, go out and and take step number one. You don't get to, you don't get to deal number 15 without taking step number one. Yeah, that's right. That's great. So one other thing I just want to add to that is I personally, I'm sure you guys, real estate is like a, is like a drug, right? Like you, once you do your first deal, you're like, okay, it's a snowball effect. And you're just getting bigger and bigger. You guys just closed the 94 units, which is awesome. But thank you. it is, it is like this sort of, Oh, I can feel it. Oh, I might've made a mistake. I've made mistakes, but and I, but you still keep driving towards that financial freedom. So there's something about it. And that's, that's all I'm going to leave it at. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, incredible. Yeah. And so, so with that, with step one, I, and you, you really, you've set up
2: your, your directions you want to go. So you're, you're here at this point today, where do you want to take yourself and your business in the next five years?
1: Yeah, the next five years, I I want to. My goal is to get to two thousand units within the next twenty-four months. Um, So that's that's the goal. I definitely want to be. I've created this framework of that I'm really into at the moment. Uh, it's called AID, AID, acquisitions, investment development. Um, acquisitions being that, you know, what is on the acquisition side. Okay, there's, there's deal underwriting. I've got that covered with my with my mentors. Uh with, with with my with my employees. Maybe someday in the future, RSN may be into the brokerage because that's in that's in acquisition. I don't know. You know, maybe there's opportunities for me to grow my business in the brokerage space. Okay. Let's talk about the I, the the investing. Okay, well, there's a Asset management, I already do that. A fantastic. I want to continue to grow that, but maybe I want to also get in property management one day, right? You know, maybe we'll I have a two thousand units. It may, it may get bigger. Um, and and maybe in the eye, I might start. You know, I've always had this passion to have this great portfolio. And instead of buying retail for flooring, I'm going to go to China and just pick it up direct. You know, that's you know, creating a business yeah. out of that. And then there's the D, which is what I I love most, and that's ground up development. But ground up development doesn't Always work, and it you know it's also a whole lot of high, a higher risk if you don't know what you're doing. But development, construction, management—maybe there's a construction team along the way at RSN. So. That's the, the framework. And they're the, they're the things I need to, I can plug in. I'm already plugging in a few things here and there under A, under I, and actually uh, some stuff under D because I consult for a couple of the developers here in LA. But in general, that's where I'm going. And, and that's what that's I awesome. want to have a well-rounded business that can rely on different legs when the market goes up and down. Incredible. So <laughs> does that answer the question? <laughs> we awesome. love it. We love it now. And with that, who are some of your mentors? Well, I, you and I share a mentor, and that's uh, I was one of the early, early students of of Mr. Joe Fairless back in 2013. I think I was like one of the really early ones. So, uh, and uh, I I have uh, this you know, you guys will know, you just started your podcast, but starting actually podcasting, I've got my own podcast, but doing that is really methodical for me. I love it. Like I love getting on and talking to other, that's kind of like a mentor in itself, right? Because sure. it has been. It's just, yep. <laughs> you get, you get to get excited to start the day out. You know, he's awesome. Exactly. Um, uh, there's some, I've got a lot of other mentors. My dad's a big, been a big part of my life. Um, He, he had some success earlier in his career. Um, you know, he's, he's, I don't come from, you know, I'm not a wealthy person. My parents are both teachers back in Australia and, you know, I don't come from, I've come from humble beginnings. Um, but he has some success and he always said to me, you know, a fool and their money are easily parted. So what does that mean? Well, don't be a fool and go out and get yourself educated. So that's, you know, uh, that was uh, always a, a takeaway piece of advice that, that I've, always, I've actually got written on the wall, a fool and their money are easily parted. Um, and, and, but throughout life there's going to be different mentors and uh, as I said, the podcast, Joe, my dad, I come across other people. I've started a few mastermind groups with other entrepreneurs to try and spitball and, you know, mastermind and just, you know, sounding board sort of stuff, which helps me ground myself and, and, and make me, you know, cause I, I, I you know, me, Reed Goosens, I'm Minaris and kind of by myself with a couple of employees, it can be sometimes lonely. So you want to yeah. check in with some other people and make sure that you're, you're on the right path and you keep cracking towards your, uh, your goals. So, yeah.
0: You mentioned podcast. Can you tell me t- can, you, can you tell us more about your, uh, your podcast?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So as you know, I, I have a weird accent. So um, <laughs> when I first moved to this country, like when I was talking about the, 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 the turnkey, I noticed not many people were talking to international investors, right? There's a lot of hype about investing in the United States. It's the, you know the, the currency is strong, the government's got strong, strong government. there's good yield. But no one was like, well, how do I even get started? You know, and I had to be that that guy. Like when I first moved here, I had no credit. I, you know, had a bit of cash, but I had to buy my, prop, my first property all cash because I had no credit. I had to get an LLC set up. Like what's an LLC? What's escrow? Like all these things just weren't, readily available for an international investor when you first get here, but you have to learn. So I sort of started my own podcast. It's called investing in the U S and it's an Aussie's guide to us real estate. I just had Jason on the show, which has been awesome. Uh, And it's really just sort of talking more to those international investors who do want to come here uh, and start investing in in the United States. And um, you know, I, I, I have aspirations for it to be more than just real estate. And, you know, one day that's why I named it aptly investing in the U S it could be anything. So it's entrepreneurialism entrepreneurial to business. So yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, what's
2: the uh, link to the podcast and where can people reach out to you?
1: Yeah, so you can jump on uh, my, my website at com forward slash podcast. Um, com is coming soon. Um, as, as you guys know, when you're building out all your different social media platforms, it's like website after website after website you've got to yes. create. But they're all coming. Uh, it's the eighty twenty 20 rule. You know, it's, it's up and running and you can, you can find me on iTunes as well. Uh, and if anyone is ever in, in LA, please hit me up. You know, I love going out for a beer or coffee. Um, you can hit me up at Reed. That's R-E-E-D at rsmpropertygroup.com group.com. I always love meeting up for, um, just talking shop. So yeah. Oh, you hear great. that
0: everyone, whenever you're in California, hit read up, buy him a cup of coffee or a pint of beer and beer. his brain. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we'll, take this, we'll take this surfboard out behind me and we'll go for catch a wave. Nice. <laughs> that's great. That's great. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, we'd love to
1: uh, have some words to live by from you. Yeah, that's a good question. Won't slip by. I've always, again, I guess the big one, uh, a fool and their money are easily parted. Putt- another big one that I'm, uh, I'm a very much a moral, I'm not a, I'm not a huge religious guy, but I'm, 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 I'm a moral guy. Like I you know, do the right thing, you know, not necessarily do the right thing for you, but do the right thing for the situation. It may not be in your best interest, but if you're doing constantly doing the right thing, um, and, and you're, 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 you treating people how you want to be treated. I think that's really, really important. And, you know, filling the money are, are easy part of it. So get out there, get educated. Um, and, and the other thing is don't give up, you know, being an entrepreneur uh, is tough. It's a slog uh, for everyone. Who, as you guys know, don't don't give up. Surround yourself with um, with mentors, with other like minded people. If you are thinking about getting a mentor, very highly highly recommend doing it because you know um, if they've made all the mistakes, why do you need to make the mistakes, right? You can learn from them. So so yeah. Perfect.
0: Well, thank you so much, Reed, yeah, for being on you. our on our program. That that I mean, so much value there. Yeah, thank so you so much. Value. It was
1: awesome. So, well, thank you guys.
0: This is, this is Jason and Peely with the REI Foundation podcast with uh, Reed. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.